0: much you can save. That's PolicyGenius.com. Oh, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the Personal Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, founder of MasterMoney.co. And today on the Personal Finance Podcast, we're going to be doing another Money Q&A. And if you want to send in your questions for Money Q&A, hit me up on Instagram or TikTok at Master Money Co. And follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast player you love listening to this podcast to. And if you want to help out the show, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well. well we are actually showing these Money Q&A episodes on YouTube at Master Money on YouTube. So today, we have a few questions that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about giving out some pointers for dividend portfolios. In addition, we're going to be talking about what you do with extra money if you don't spend all the money in a specific budget category. And lastly, we're going to be talking about should you have separate savings accounts for each savings goal? Maybe it's car repairs. Maybe it's house repairs. Should you have separate savings accounts for that as well. So if that's something you're into, let's get into it. Do you have any tips for investing in dividend portfolios? So when it comes to a dividend investing, I follow a specific philosophy by Lowell Miller. That is a book called The Single Best Investment by Lowell Miller. And he walks through exactly how to invest in dividends. And this is the way I invest in dividend stocks. And I love this philosophy. I think it's one of the best books out there if you are interested in dividend investing. I'll link it up below so you can check that out what i'm going to do is i'm going to give you a bird's eye view of exactly what i do because there's a number of ways to invest in dividend stocks but what i like to do is a safer route and it's a dividend growth route because i'm investing in these dividend stocks for the long term i'm doing this for the long haul so i want to make sure that i'm doing it the right way so that you can actually reap the best benefits and have the best returns because this needs to make sense outside of the s&p 500 you need to have higher returns or higher at least cash flow than the S&P 500. It's for this to make sense. Otherwise, you might as well just do an index fund because this takes a lot more work. Now we have an episode talking about this investing strategy and exactly how I do it on the podcast. So make sure you're checking that out if interested because I walk through this in greater detail, but I'm going to give you the bird's eye view of exactly what I do. The key here is you want to be targeting companies and buying stocks that have dividend growth for a long period of time. Now, Lowell Miller in his book talks about 10 to 15 years of dividend growth. And what I do is I actually target dividend aristocrats first. And if I don't like those options, then I go look in the 10 to 15 year range. So what does that mean? A dividend is when a stock is paying you a portion of their income of their cash flow, and it goes to you and it's typically quarterly. So A lot of times you will see index funds have dividends. Regular stocks have dividends, but not all stocks have dividends. So if they pay a dividend, what a dividend investor does is they try to find more cash flow by getting that recurring cash flow every time in the form of a dividend. So you want to target companies that are increasing that dividend over time because you can really have a compounding machine if you do that and if that happens. So understanding that first, that you want that Dividend growth is the number one strategy when you're doing this. Now, you heard me mention something. It's called a dividend aristocrat. And what a dividend aristocrat is, it's a company that has increased their dividend for at least 25 years or more. And so you want to look at these companies and say, hey, Maybe I want to find a company that's increasing its dividend for 25 years or more. And these are older companies. You could think of things like Lowe's. Johnson & Johnson is in that category. Clorox is in that category. Target is in that category. There's a number of great companies that are dividend aristocrats. So that's where I look first because they've been increasing their dividend for 25 years. So it's a safer bet than someone who's been increasing their dividend for only 10 years. Now, the next rule is the company must be financially strong. So you need to know, understand at least how to look financials. And if you wanna do a quick way to do this, the S&P actually has ratings. So if you find someone with an S&P rating of triple B plus or better, that's BBB plus or better, then you can actually look at that company. Now, some of these are just ways where I can throw out companies really quickly. So I look at some of these things so that I have that understanding. But if they have a triple B plus or better, then I'll actually still look at the company. The next rule is that the dividend must be twice the S&P 500. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense for me to go out and invest in that company if it's not twice the S&P 500. So, for example, if the S&P 500 is 2% at the time that you're looking at this, then you want at least 4% dividend yield or more. Because it needs to be double. Otherwise, why not just passively invest into an index fund that follows the S&P 500 and you don't have to do anything. The next one is you want to see earnings growth within the company because earnings growth fuels dividend growth over time. So you want to see Hey, is the earnings growth 10% and the dividend is growing 7%? You want to see those going side by side so that you know that your dividend is going to be increasing over time. Then you want to look for good valuations for price to earnings ratios or different ratios to make sure that some of these are in a good spot. You don't want to be overpaying for companies just because you like their dividend. You want to make sure you're still buying the company right. So there is a lot more work that has to go into it where you're looking at some of these indicators as well. Now, the thing I love about dividend investing is that it actually gives you an indicator when to sell, where most of the time when you're buying individual stocks, there's not a real indicator of when to sell. But with dividend investing, what I do is if the dividend is in jeopardy or the dividend is in doubt, I sell that dividend stock and I buy another stock that has a strong dividend history. Because in this strategy... My goal is to reap as much dividends as possible. So if that dividend is in jeopardy, there's no reason for me to be investing in that company. If the dividend gets cut, I'm out. Peace. I'm not staying and investing in that company. Instead, I'm going to move my capital to another spot. And this is what Warren Buffett does. This is his actual job. He moves capital from one place to another. And his entire job is figuring out, hey, Does Coca-Cola deserve more capital or does Johnson & Johnson deserve more capital? That's his entire job is figuring out where to allocate capital. And that's your job as a dividend investor as well. What is the best place to put my dollars so that I can get the most dividends to fund my lifestyle? Because if you do this for long enough, you can have enough cash flow to cover your expenses, which is why dividend investing is so incredibly powerful. And then you want to diversify as well. So as you're starting to buy dividend stocks, and some people may not agree with this, but I believe you should be diversifying into different industries. So, A lot of the dividend aristocrats, you can look at them. They're all the way across the board from farming to healthcare to retail. There's all different things that they do within the dividend aristocrats. That's why I like looking there first because they've increased their dividends for a long time and they have that growth. So that is why it is really cool to be able to actually dividend invest because you can actually pick companies that you like that have a dividend and you can reap the cash flow from them. Now, one cool strategy I wanna mention is that if you invest in dividend stocks within your Roth, the cool thing is, those dividends are earnings, and you can actually have tax free cash flow from dividends inside of your Roth IRA if you decide to become a dividend investor. Because those dividends come into your Roth IRA, they're earnings. So remember, with your Roth IRA, your earnings are not taxed once they're inside of your Roth and you're able to withdraw them. So you can have thousands of dollars per month coming to you that are completely tax-free. So that's a very cool strategy within the dividend portfolio is buying dividend stocks within your Roth if you're not going for an index fund route or a passive route or anything else of that nature. So that's a very cool option as well. I just wanted to mention that and a cool thing that you can do inside of your Roth. So I hope this helped you start your dividend portfolio. If you haven't listened to that episode where we talk about how to invest in dividend stocks, again, I'll leave it down below. And if you have any questions, don't forget to ask us as well. The next one. If you don't spend all your money in a budget category like groceries, where do you put the extra funds? So this is a great question because when you're budgeting, what you need to understand is that you will never have a perfect month. I've never had a perfect month in my entire life. And you can hear expert budgeters tell you this. Jesse Meacham, the founder of YNAB, probably one of the best budgeters in the world, says he has never had a perfect month. I've never had a perfect month. What things happen, and you can't plan for everything in your life, so you're either going to overspend or underspend in certain categories. And the reason why this is important is because a lot of people mess up in budgeting because I mess up every single month. Most people mess up every single month. You overspend in the category or you underspend in the category. And when you mess up, a lot of people just end up quitting. Specifically when they overspend, they think this isn't working for me. But what you have to do is you have to roll with the punches that life throws at you. So if you overspend in one category and underspend in another category, you use the underspent category to make up for the area where you overspend. This is the power of budgeting because it's very flexible and you have to go with the ebbs and flows. See, money is not black and white and most people think it is, but it's absolutely not black and white. What you have to do is you have to go with the flow. You plan as much as possible, but then you have to go with the flow and whatever life throws at you. So what I typically do is if I underspend in a category, I'm gonna give you some options for underspending in a second. But the first thing I would look at doing is if I overspent somewhere else, I would transfer those dollars there. So if I underspent in groceries, but overspent, in personal care, for example, then I would just transfer those dollars over there. Another example would be maybe your car breaks down and you don't have enough money in your car repair fund or your emergency fund to make up for it. If you underspent there, then you throw the money over there. Or if you need to make up for some other specific areas, that is where you're going to roll those funds. So the first option is if you overspent in another category, just roll it over into that category. Now, the second option is, for example, if you underspent in groceries, then You can keep that money in that category for the next month. You can roll it over to the next month. And now you're just gonna have more money to spend in groceries. Go ahead and buy the gluten-free avocado toast. Go ahead and do whatever you want with those dollars and reward yourself because you deserve it. So that's the second option that you have is just rolling it into the next month or you could roll it into the next month and then spend more in another category that you have available to you as well. The third option is you can take every time you underspend in a category, you can take those dollars and put them towards your future. Put them towards your investments. And why we're talking about this is because if you do that over and over and over again, say you can save an extra 100 bucks a month. Well, 100 bucks a month over the course of 30 years, that's well over six figures. So if you do that over and over again, and you're just saving little bits and pieces here and there on top of hitting your minimum investment goals, then you can hit your goals that much faster and achieve financial independence that much faster. Another option is to put those dollars towards your emergency fund. If you don't have a fully funded emergency fund, every time you have a little bit of extra cash in a budget category, just throw it over to the emergency fund so that if something comes up, you have the money just there. Reduce your stress, reduce your anxiety so you don't have to worry anymore because I love the thought of putting that money towards your future. And then finally, the last thing that you can do with it is you can treat yourself, reward yourself, buy whatever you want with that money or put it towards your blow fund where you can blow money later. If you're saving up for something cool, put it towards that. But just allocating those dollars towards the place that brings you the most value is what you want to do. So the way this happens is think about it this way. If I didn't overspend in a category and I don't need to roll it over somewhere, what will bring me value? What would these dollars do that can bring me the most value and put those dollars in that place? Because that's what money's there to do. Money is there to bring you value. So making sure that you utilize it that way is incredibly important. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. dot com slash p-f-p for your extended 30-day free trial. Now is a great time of year to get your finances in order. And no matter what your financial goals are this year, when you use Chime's online checking account, you can cross all those financial to-dos off your list. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank, NA, or Stride Bank, NA, members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Do you have separate bank accounts for each item that you're saving for? So this is a great question. This is a question that I actually get all the time. And what this question is actually asking is, say, for example, if you're saving up for car repair, do you have a car repair bank account? If you're saving up for your emergency fund, do you have an emergency fund bank account? If you're saving up to buy a new car, do you have a new car bank account? Do you have a home down payment bank account? Separating everything into bank accounts. And the answer to this question is twofold. How simple do you want your financial life? And the second question is, do you think more clearly when everything is in individual compartments? There's two things that are happening here. So If they're minor savings goals, say I'm saving up for a new sofa or I'm saving up for something that's small, under three grand, then I'm just gonna keep it into my checking account and track it in a budget. But if I'm saving up for something where it's a big ticket item, then I'm going to be much more likely to open a bank account for that item. So say, for example, I want to save for a down payment on a house. Well, that's a lot of money, and it's going to take some time to save up for that. So I want that in a compartment. I want it to be separate from everything else so that I can see the progress over time. Now, if you're motivated by the progress to seeing how much those dollars are actually growing over time, then maybe a separate bank account is for you. But I'm going to show you another option as well in a second here so that you can see, hey, Maybe I could put it in all in one account and put it in compartments that way. So really, the longer the savings goal, the longer the time horizon is for that savings goal, the more likely it is that I'm going to put it in a separate account. Now, I don't like having a ton of different accounts. I like to simplify money and I like to teach everybody else to do that as well because simplification is the easiest path to money. It reduces your stress. You don't have to worry as much. Making it as simple as possible is what you want to do. But if you feel better if the money is in a separate account, then by all means, go ahead and do it. Some people call this sinking funds, where they literally put any savings goal at all into what is called a sinking fund, separate bank accounts, and they put them in those accounts by label. Now, there's also other options. And one big one that I'm testing out right now is one with Ally Bank, where they have savings buckets, buckets where you can actually put your dollars in one account, and you can actually compartmentalize every single savings goal that you have. So this is a really cool option that I'm testing out right now. I'll give you guys my findings as we come out here. I'll maybe make a a YouTube video talking about exactly what I think about these buckets. But this is a great option for a lot of people. Now, I used to utilize Capital Ones, and it had sub-accounts as well underneath your account where you could do this, but they took that away. So Ally Bank is the only one that I know of right now that does it. And so that's why we are testing it out to see how it is because having these savings buckets I think is really cool and it's a great way mentally to see your savings goals over time but you don't want to have a million bank accounts for every little thing if you don't have to if you like it better that way then do it but for me personally if it's a big ticket item maybe I'm saving up for a car saving up for a house saving up for a big home remodel for example then all of those things would go into their own savings accounts just so I can keep that money separated but if it's a shorter term thing I just track it in my budget And I leave it in there. Now, for most people with the emergency fund, for example, the emergency fund probably should be in a separate account because you want to make sure that it's a lot harder to get to. Like if you want to go out and blow some money, you want to make sure that it's not easy to get to that money and blow your emergency fund. Instead, just have a little cash buffer in between in your savings account and then separate the emergency fund somewhere else. That's how I like to do it. But if you like to just have it right accessible, then go for that. But it's kind of a personal choice. But for me specifically, big long-term items, they go in separate accounts. Short-term items that aren't a big deal, $3,000 or less, something in that range, then they just stay within my savings account. Now, remember, when you have these savings accounts open, a big thing that we talk about here at Master Money and the Personal Finance Podcast all the time is making sure if it's a long-term savings goal, then you want to have it in a high-yield savings account. You don't want to be investing those dollars. Any goal less than five years, you want to have it in a high-yield savings account. Now, I understand inflation. I understand that you're not going to have as much money as if you would have invested it. But if there's a downturn and you need those dollars for that specific thing that you're saving for, then your money's going to get cut in half if it's invested. So you want to make sure that you actually put those dollars in something like a high-yield savings account, money market account, somewhere along those lines. We have some of our favorites linked up in the show notes or down below, so you can check those out as well to see what our favorites are. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Money Q&A. If you want to send in your questions, hit us up on Instagram or TikTok at MasterMoneyCo or leave a comment in the YouTube video below and we will add those questions to our list and answer them on the show. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you on the next episode.